Talk Show is brought to you by Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. You are listening to Let's Talk About It with your show host, the celebrity doc, Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce. You are here with Cheryl Bryant-Bruce, MD, the celebrity doc, and Hisham Elenmanti, Hurricane H, and you are here with Chatters That Matters. Let's talk about it. Tonight, we have an exciting guest for you, reminding you that Chatters That Matter is here to not just educate you, but to entertain you and to bring you bites of information that we hope will make an impact in your life for a better world. Tonight, we have with us Sarah Jane Work who is with Service Pause for Veterans. She is an amazing animal trainer who is very unique amongst animal trainers because as opposed to just being trained to train animals, Sarah is actually educated to change to train animals, having gone all the way from studying the wild dogs of Botswana to taking courses at University of California at Davis. This woman knows her dogs. So without further ado, I bring to you Sarah Jane Weber. Well, thank you, Dr. Bryant Bruce. And thank you, Hurricane. Uh, it's so, such a pleasure to be here. And it is, it's a very, um, dogs are God spelled backwards. And Absolutely. truly, Dogs bring us joy and pleasure, but, you know, they do way more than that. You're only, your dog is only as good as you. There's exceptions to every rule, but as a canine behavioral neuroscience specialist, you learn that imprinting behavior and they are the key elements in connecting to your dog. So dogs communicate on three different levels. Primary, which is the way we talk. Secondary is the sounds we make and the hand signals that we have. And tertiary is our mind. Dogs don't talk to each other. They communicate. Birds don't take a lesson in flying. They just know it. Dogs understand. And... The breeding process is so critical to bringing that behavioral aspect that transfers from the mother and the father in the pack to the baby. Mm-hmm. Most will stop nursing at three or four weeks. It is critical that the puppy and the mother determine when they're going to stop nursing. 
that nursing is really critical to the confidence, the comfort, and also their immunity, their strength, their character, and also being able to communicate that to others. Thus, they become our mothers and our fathers as creatures who serve us. And they serve us. Are you saying that in general, most people will stop the dogs from nursing at three to four weeks, but really they should let the mama dog and the baby determine when that process should stop. Is that what you're saying? It is, but it's a lot of work. You know, people, and you, in the beginning it was why, you know, you mix a retriever and, and don't get me wrong. They're great dogs and they're beautiful, but you're mixing a retriever who will have, 10 to 15 puppies and a poodle who will have six to eight maximum and it becomes a bankroll how can a mother with eight nipples nurse 13 dogs they have to stop three to four weeks there isn't enough milk but even if it's a small litter like a teacup or small puppy the reason that they do it in a puppy mill is because if they separate the mommy and the baby they go into an extra heat so then they breed three times a year instead of one and that's what a puppy mill is you know a puppy mill is believe me i mean a puppy mill creates the stockholm syndrome which is a syndrome of they don't know how to socialize they don't know how to play they've never slept in a bed they've never you know, they've never been handled by human hands. It's kind of like the experiment that they did with monkeys. And they put monkeys with a mother and they put monkeys, the same sibling, in a cage that had all the warmness, the fur, the bottle, the sounds. And one mm-hmm. monkey created and one monkey became a criminal. Ah, uh, wow. Which is not to say that, you know, adopted humans, you know, we don't put a bottle in a bed and then walk away. You know, adopted humans are, are being nursed and nurtured. Mm-hmm. So I'm in about good well, solid breeding. We hope they are. We hope they are. Uh, not all parents are meant to be parents. So um, I think that the animal world and the uh, human world oftentimes mimic each other a lot more closely than we would like them to. Exactly. <laughs> I work with in, inner city children and I was involved with East Hill Ming Kwong, which is an organization that helps transition children who are abused and sexually abused to try to provide therapy and help and education so that they can move on in a healthy ways. And, you know, our dogs were played a big part in that Mm -hmm. and a big part at Stanford with children in cancer and um, veterans, retired priests. I mean, aged homes, nursing homes. There's Mm -hmm. just something additional about walking into a nursing home and, you know, a rehabilitation home and with brain injuries and you see everybody like this and you walk in with a dog and they engage and they want to reach. There's something so instinctual and 
very instinctual for the dog as well. The dog just sees that fragile quality and they just want to connect. And that's why I say dog is God spelled backwards. Now, Sarah, I mean, I actually haven't looked at any research in this and I don't know if there's any out there, but it just makes sense to me that dogs would be amazing with working with Alzheimer's patients. Absolutely. Is there any research to that or, 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 you know, can you speak to that? Um, Autistic spectrum, um, Alzheimer's, because a dog is unconditional. And that's why, you know, people think, oh, children with autism, they're challenged. No, they're brilliant. They just are on a different plane. Right. I like to call them differently abled. Exactly. They're not strapped to the dictates of our society and how we imagine people are supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on the things that, you know, they want to do and burn patients. Oh my gosh. You know, who are so um, self-conscious. Right. You know, and children who are in pain forget that they're in pain. You know, many, you know, people will oftentimes have a terminally ill sibling, child, person in their family. And people say, well, why would you bring a dog to a terminally ill person? And there's so many reasons, but one, it brings comfort. If you're in infusion or if you're in therapy, a dog that will sit there for you for hours is just comforting. And you can't talk. How long can you talk? You can't talk when you're in IV infusion. You're in a lot of pain. And um, dog just will sit there. Or a bunny. Or a kitten. It's, it's a creature that has unconditional love. Right. And I see many people, it changes their life. You know, sometimes a very, you know, as an example, I have single men that come to me and they're usually brainiacs and they'll mm-hmm. kind of show up dirty, which I think is a really great look to me. I, I like it, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm like, you need a dog that people are going to approach you and you have something to talk about. Right. You can't always talk about astrophysics, the lady at Nordstrom's, <laughs> but you talk to astrophysics to everyone probably want to talk to Lady Nordstrom's, you know, so I'll be like, I'll get him a personal shot. They think they're getting a dog, but they're really getting his life coach. You know, they just need a little bit. And then we do our training and socialization out in the world where I introduce them to people, all kinds of people. And you just see huge transformations, people that are able to create a relationship, people that are able to just bring their dog to work and their Mm -hmm. productivity happiness just increased. That's something that I've noticed uh, a lot more recently. Um, I had gone on a couple of job interviews down in San Francisco. And when I went into the job sites, most of the jobs, the people were fairly younger, uh, their 30s, maybe early 40s at, uh, at best. But what I noticed was that a lot of them had their dogs with them and that the jobs have become very dog 
friendly. You had all of these dogs on the job site, but the dogs were mellow and the people seemed that much calmer. I mean, the places that had the dogs present just seemed like much more pleasant places to work. The people seemed happier, calmer. I'm, I'm sure if they had to do overtime, they, they weren't as stressed about having to do overtime because they had their best friend with them. So, I mean, I, I, I think that's a tremendous thing to allow the dogs in the, in the workplace, because I think it does make a, a big difference in the atmosphere of the workplace. Well, I, well it's more dog to work than a child. <laughs> yes. I, I was going to say, it's, it's amazing because first of all, Sarah, I'm, I'm just new to all this. I mean, I, I you know, I'm being really involved now in this world of, 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 of a whole experience where, I mean, I'm familiar with, you know, having, uh, you know, someone in the family, such as a dog or a cat. And we talked about this last, last week in the last show, but, but really you're, you know, you're talking about a whole different dimension right now on how to see, you know, the, the interaction and the integration of, of having, you know, uh, dogs in, in, in the actual environment. Now, doctor, you just mentioned something that I have not seen before. I work, I mean, other than service dogs, when we talk, we'll talk about, I've never seen, you know, just having dogs interacting and employers even considering that, I mean, they, they haven't even to the point of considering now kids and daycare. I mean, this is going to be a whole different world. But I guess I have to say, California in general has always been a very more uh, open state to a lot of new things, and they've always right. become pioneers before other states catch up to them. So, I mean, oh. that's something that's an advantage you guys have. And it is amazing to know that this is available because one thing we discussed last week was the energy of, of the, you know, the animals and the pets and the, the just, you know, dogs, kittens, what you name it. They come in, you talked about sick people at, or terminal people and, and you know, they're a very, very low, you know, body and everything. It's not, you know, they're basically not there physically. It's difficult. But then something changes when that energy goes into that room. It's a whole different level. Even kids, I've seen kids actually at school getting engaged with, you know, they bring in these pets and things like that to the school and they get excited. It's a whole different world. So it does change. I Listen, I see a dog, you know, a puppy and going crazy. I go crazy too. It's just normal. I'm natural instant will do that. <laughs> I'm telling you, you just get playful and you get all excited about it. We're all the same. So it's amazing. Whatever spectrum you are, you talked about autism. I think, I think it changes the dynamics, just the presence. And there's got to be something beyond that we understand because, you know, the world is full of energies and things that we don't even comprehend yet. And there's got to be some interaction out there. And it is amazing to hear that we're getting to a point where things like this are happening out there and it's changing the world, changing lives. And yeah. I mean, we, we know that it's, that's been happening with service dogs. And again, that's, that's part of the yeah. discussion today. So go ahead, doctor. I know you, you want to interject that. I was just going to say, you know, as Sarah said, you know, dog is, is, is God spelled backward. And I think dogs have just this incredibly positive energy. They're pure love, you know, and that energy is infectious. And I think it, for even for people who may have severe autism or who may be caged in by Alzheimer's, um, there's this love connection that's made that allows them to embrace and connect with this animal. And, you know, I think that spills over into all areas, you know, whether it's at home or in a hospital or at work. I know that when I take Rosie to the cancer center, 
you know, some patients who traditionally have been, you know, very quiet, they're in pain, they, you know, they don't want to be bothered and all, you see them light up. But not only do you see the patients affected, what I always love is how it affects the staff. And that's important in this day and age when our care providers are just so burnt out and tired. You bring that dog in, everybody lights up and you see the change in their energy as they go about the rest of the time doing their work. They're now uplifted and the patients are chattering and the staff is chattering. Everybody's uplifted. That has got to be, I mean- Dogs are an avenue to peace. I, I, I'm convinced of that. <laughs> I agree. You know, um, our prisons in California also have programs where prisoners um, viol- of violent crimes um, are rehabilitated by training service for veterans. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the most outstanding and innovative programs on the West Coast. Yes. And it has wonderful ramifications. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that with, with kids, with the juvenile uh, programs too, with the juvenile delinquency programs, uh, assigning them dogs to help them learn responsibility and help them learn to care about something other than themselves. You know, these are kids who are damaged um, by their environments and connecting with this dog allows them to basically reconnect with their own humanity. And I I mean, you're right. Those are some amazing programs in the penal system. Well, there's also a wonderful program in California, which is, um, and I train dogs and certify dogs for the reading program. So Mm -hmm. three times a week, they go to underprivileged schools and do a reading program where the child is one-on-one with the, the you know, the dog handler, who's also the owner, and who's educated in helping. Yeah. Many of them are hypnotherapists, so mm-hmm. you're able to connect the child on different levels and to help that child read. Because if we can get chi- children to read, it's really akin to bringing water to a village. It's the right. core root how they advance water is the core root to health you know and reading is the core root to success mm-hmm. right so are the, are the children actually like reading to the dogs they start to read and then the, the coach says you know because they, they're afraid to read in front of other people and they'll be like oh i i i I, and she said, and then, you know, that we teach the, the coaches, they go down to the dog and says, Callie says, it says, it says gigantic. It says gigantic. And the child, oh, gigantic. Thank you, Callie. And then, you know, as they approach these words, says, I can't read more than three words. And they say, oh, I am big. You can do that. You can do that. And, um, oh, darn it. Um, do you have a cord? Uh, um, and then the child, you know, will actually read it back. So they're beginning to learn association and comfort and confidence. But also because they're so poor, many of these children, the only meals they have are when they come to school. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, we, you know, we're really, there's millions of people that are the working poor. You know, there's many children out in California that their families are living in their cars. Yes. So we have programs come and change their clothes at school. You know, they take off the dirty ones and they put the clean ones on. Now they started putting in showers so at least the kids can come to school and eat and um, and wear some clothes. Mm-hmm. So, oh, thank you. Running out of battery here. Uh-huh. I have to, in order to organize my house to get ready to move, I have to have a generator. <laughs> so, there's no <laughs> Bless your heart. That has to be so difficult. It's always so difficult to be displaced. And you know what? It's you cry if somebody dies. You don't cry if you lose your stupid house. Right, right, right. Talking about Sarah Jane uh, recently lost uh, her home. Was it to fires? Yeah. Yeah. So she is displaced right now while she's uh, getting prepared to move into a new home. <laughs> well, I'm actually living in the most beautiful place. It's like five times the size of my house. <laughs> uh-huh. Not a bad <laughs> the insurance check. <laughs> you know, have good insurance. Good insurance is everything. The yes. guy says to me, Oh, you're so, oh, I've never seen someone overinsured. And I said, I said, really? He says, curious, why did you do that? And I'm like, I said, oh, daddy told me. And he goes, daddy told you? And I said, oh, big daddy. Daddy tells me everything. And I listened to him right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I said, clearly it was a good idea, don't you think? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. But, I mean, the question that is, is that, you know, it put my whole program you know, into a, a, you know, temporary standstill in many ways. Right. But, you know, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Right. You okay. And so did you the dog with you? They were everywhere for three weeks. Um, they were everywhere for three weeks. And then now... Um, I went away for two weeks to Mexico and we landed, went to Sausalito and traveling. And then now we're going to Carmel. So you got to rest and rejuvenate and they're all doing fine. And uh, I'm sure they'll be so happy to have me back, but um, I'm reinventing everything. As you know, on your last move, you know, you can't have growth without discourse and the more discourse, the better opportunity for growth. So as I'm really revisiting everything and what I'm doing, uh, much like you, I am creating in my mind, um, you know, venues and avenues where they have online imprinting for the first, you know, few weeks of puppy rearing when they go home, have a way to set things up, have a way to work with visible you know, invisible disabilities or non-visible disabilities. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you have a dog react to sound if you can't hear? How do you have a dog target around you if you can't see? In other words, you're not sight impaired enough that, you know, 
you can't see, but you're limited in how well your peripheral vision, you know, might see. Or people right. say, oh, but, but I'm not really sick. And like, you know, you can't see diabetes. You can't see AFib. Right. Right. You know, I mean, that's a difficult thing because um, people will have a service dog and they don't have a visible impairment. They're not in a chair. They don't have a cane. They look perfectly healthy. And when that happens, there's a disconnect for people. And the dog may be clearly marked as a service dog. But then there's this kind of funky attitude that, that comes like, well, why do you have a service dog? You're obviously fine. And it's it's always difficult to educate people because you're constantly having to educate people that there are invisible disabilities and that these dogs, uh, they don't just lead the, the, the blind, but that they do have these other amazing abilities that can help a person with any type of a disability. Right. And I, I choose to use non-visible non because if you say invisible, people think it's like the invisible cloak with Harry Potter. Right. <laughs> that it's a joke, you know, and, and it's not, you know, and so, I mean, there's times when I think to myself, and this is a very big thought, people go, what's wrong with you? You look fine. You're not blind. You're not deaf. And I think to myself, well, I can see that you're stupid and I can hear you even stupider. <laughs> you know? I would never say that, but you're just like, can you hear yourself? You know? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> You are definitely able to. You are very challenged. We need to get you a dog as well. <laughs> you might qualify, right? <laughs> well, so so so. That, thank you. For, first of all, I want to just commend you. I mean, for for what you just said about the the the, the positiveness, the positivity that you have in terms of in light of everything that you've endured, and you're still managing. You get creative with it, and you made it, and you said it. I mean. You know, you have to adjust and adapt and make it work, and you and that's something that's that's very difficult to do. And you know, I guess your training and what you do to help people had helped you, you know, tremendously. And and now you actually are, are a guide to other people because things can happen to any one of us. And sometimes we're you know in we a have, minute uh, exactly changes in a minute. You know, I do end of life in hospitals with the dogs and the family, and nothing. Nothing touches your heart more than understanding that we don't know what minute we have or don't have. Life can change in a minute. And um, all of us. You yes. You know, I just lost a friend who was, you know, 52 years old, the most beautiful, gorgeous, happy, wonderful, amazing woman, you know, just stood up and was raising money, you know, for the junior league and blah, blah, blah. And she said, I have a massive headache. And she was dead before she hit the floor. Life can change right. in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's important for people to really realize that, you know, enjoy the time, live your life to the fullest, 
and don't let anything stress you out because it's not worth it and and have a different positive outlook alive i mean your mindset is just tremendous and i think everybody watching listening and this is not the real topic of today but i think that's something that we had to extract here because i mean you know that is difficult and again and and your your example i mean there's many people out there have, have suffered through the fires and and right now we have florida for example with the hurricane and you know and things are happening people's lives are changing every single minute and second actually and nobody's expecting that. It's like, well, it's happening. Now we have to deal with it. But changing the way, and, and, and maybe, to your point, maybe, you know, our furry friends can be helpful as well in some of this stuff. But well, at the end of the day, it's the outlook, right? It's how you think. It's not it's what happens to you. It's cool. how you deal with the what. And, you know, sometimes we're not listening to the universe. And then the universe makes us listen to the universe. And so you have to say, what did I miss? What am I supposed to be doing? Because clearly I'm not supposed to be doing what I was doing before because it's impossible at the moment. Um, and so it really, you know, crisis equals opportunity. Yes. And uh, that's what I just call it, you know, C equals O. <laughs> yes. Again, and go ahead, Doc. Sarah Jane has a house full of the most gorgeous loving dogs there's no way you cannot be positive with all of that love around you and i mean you know um every so often she has these litters of absolutely gorgeous puppies they all look like teddy bears or fao schwartz dogs they're just stunningly beautiful and incredibly loving and you know all dogs are loving but sarah jane's dogs are are extra loving because she's so positive she's so gentle she's so tuned in and uh you know her dogs just from very early have the most amazing dispositions. Um, I got Rosie from Sarah Jane and you'll remember Rosie from last week. She's still here. I got hey. Rosie from Sarah Jane. <laughs> she was like six weeks. Now, well, not even six weeks when I saw her, but when I got her at 10 weeks, Rosie was the most amazing dog. She was so mellow and uh, she was just impossibly easy. I mean, it's like a, a dog shouldn't be that easy to train, but she had such a good start that it made training her very, very, very easy. So, well, you know, doctor, I always say likes attract and uh, people say, oh, how do you part with your dogs? And, you know, you just put it out in the universe and, you know, I don't advertise or anything. I mean, I just wake up one day and it's just like, I'm like, God, just send me somebody who's supposed to be here. And they show up. And then they're like, they always, like, sometimes they're so confused. They're like, you know, it's just so odd. Blah, blah, blah. And they go, Two people said a prayer and the prayer came down into an apex. Right? Right. Prayer works. <laughs> Rosie chose me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they all do. The minute I yeah. walked in, she was just like all over me. This is going to be my mommy. <laughs> Well, again, we well, talked about and, energy and chemistry, right? So this is yeah. this is it. I mean, it happens. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry, you, you were going to say something. Oh, I'm just going to say that dogs, they they choose their owners, and then they let everyone else know. Yes. Right away. <laughs> Off limits. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, and they just walk around like they get collared, 
you know, I'm like, oh, you want the mommy. And they, they all just know. Sometimes they say, you're going to be the only dog. And they go like this. Mine go, never mind. Like, <laughs> that means somebody's going. <laughs> but the joy and love that they bring is really the only way I could part with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sarah, talk to us about the Service Pause for Veterans program. Because that, I mean, that's an amazing program and it's such a service. Well, one of the organizations I work with is called FISH, uh, mm-hmm. Friends Interested in Serving Heroes. It's one of the largest organizations it's out of the Midwest. My dad's family is in the Midwest and my niece uh, was doing a wreath program for veterans and they raised money for 5,000 wreaths for the veterans grave for veterans day. And she heard this story about how they've been taken advantage of with the dog. And I said, you know, have, you know, actually one of the guys, Chris Benson, who was one on the board of directors and the treasurer, uh, call me. And he tells me they had this $10,000 story. Now at the time, you know, at the first time, you know, with animals and dogs and business, it ebbs and flows, you know, you'll have the high points. Anyone who thinks that you get rich on dogs doesn't know what they're talking about. You get rich in love and rich in experience and you're able to support yourself and those around you, but nobody's going to get a private jet. So um, long just, story short, let's, let's talk about that for a second. On the average, what does it cost to bring one of these dogs from birth to the time that you actually give the dog away because then you do a lot for that dog before the person even receives it, the, 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 the shots and, you know, different certifications and stuff. You do it's a, a lot. 24 seven. It's 24 seven for eight to 10 weeks and longer. Um, but you know, it starts off at 2000 mm-hmm. minimum. Yeah, and what do you have to make to pay 2000? You know what I mean? It's not really 2000, but um, in talking to this man, I, he says, you know, we just can't afford it. And I said, well, I'll make it really affordable. And he goes, it kind of doesn't even matter what, because we paid $10,000 and we didn't even get a dog. And I said, well, I know how to make it affordable. And he said, what? And I said, I would like to donate a dog. He burst into tears. He's like, I don't think I heard you. <laughs> well, it ended up that, you know, we named one of the service dogs, Charlie, we brought Charlie to Kansas. Um, Chris was a Vietnam vet, um, like married a Vietnamese woman later in life. But he had Charlie the first week and Charlie was 10 weeks old and a little white fluffy. And as he was going to the banks to get funding, he just put Charlie on the conference table. And Charlie would go visit everybody because that's what we taught him. Go say hello, go sit in the hall and then lay down. And they tripled the donations in that three months when they got that dog. Then the next year came and they had a female veteran who'd been through hell. Um, And we prepared a second dog. Well, they wanted me to deliver the dog and the puppy in um over labor day so i got to walk in the shortest veterans parade in missouri (laughs) i was all excited i'm gonna be in a parade (laughs) and i traveled with baron my big huge 68 pound white dog and 
you know, and um, Sergeant Fred. And we went there. We were on Channel 4 News for 12 minutes at this dental office. And then we got to make speech and ride in the parade and, you know, meet everybody. And it was like, it was just so incredible. Um, So, yeah, regularly I try to um, really work with organizations, but it's not easy because the match, you know, because someone needs a service dog doesn't mean that they're going to thrive with a service dog because you're only your dog is only as good as you. Many right. people who are not well, if they don't have the capacity for the network in their family, they they're really unable to manage even the best dog. Right. Um, so, you know, the program that Chris has been working on is a program which creates the pack in the family so that they have the same language with the dog, with their puppy, with their service animal. And thus they start to engage in a language with their family, with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's, it's much easier to rehabilitate uh, a prisoner than a veteran who's been in active combat who's either injured or has post-traumatic stress or has really endured the atrocities of active warfare. It's, it's not easy. Um, but so fish does many, many things. They, it's not just the service dogs, but they, they work with service dogs. I work with a doctor out here who is a myofascial surgeon and uh, gratis does facial surgery on veterans who've been injured with facial injuries. And he was a veteran. He was actually a Lieutenant commander in the nuclear Navy in the same year that my brother was and still is. And he'll just call me in the middle of the night because he was one of our consulting, you know, doctors for certifying letter. And um, he'll just be, okay, it's raining. Sky can't get on the bus. This is where he is. You know, we have this rule, like it doesn't matter the day or time of the day or night. And, um, and we're able to get them into a boarding house or get them on a train or get them into a hotel. And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, of a conversation or I work with and represent people who um, are taking their dog to work and who want to bring a service dog and have their rights violated or trying to get on a plane. And, um, I always say that taking classes at Stanford for business, real estate, and contract law wasn't really sure what it was going to do except make me smart, but it certainly helps me truly understand the rules of the U.S. Department of Justice, aviation, and transportation, and what people need to understand is that duties and rights come with responsibilities to equal privileges. So it's a federal privilege. It's a federal fence. Mm -hmm. So all those things that people do online, they're really cracking down and they'll take your dog away. Mm -hmm. They'll take your dog away and, and detain you, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's, I think the year that they mandated the federal law in, in April of 2020, to create it equal and the same for through the U S department of transportation, all airlines so that it wasn't a, you know, a big mishmash um, was so that 
people were able to understand the rules and have the same forms in every single, um, in every single um, instance. But the year that it went to Washington to mandate those changes, which happened in April of 2000 and um, July of 2000 became very stringent. There were 21,000 complaints in one year mm-hmm. that, that were totaled, not that were uncalculated, not that were already there, but things that were reported. And those were bad behavior of dogs and people and people right. and dogs. So you can be removed if you're not behaving or if your dog's not behaving, your federal rights go out the window. If you're not carrying out your duties and responsibilities, because those equal your rights and privileges. So my program really focuses on orientation, education, understanding, application, and empowering people to be able to confidently without having to defend themselves have mm-hmm. the privilege and right of a service animal. Right. Now, can you for us define the difference between a, a, a service dog, a certified service dog, an emotional support animal, a, a certified emotional support animal, and somebody's poochie that they want to call a support animal? Can you define the, diff- uh, the differences yes. and the responsibility? Yes. Absolutely. First of all, a service animal and an emotional support. All privileges go with a service animal. Limited Mm -hmm. privileges go with a therapy or an emotional support dog. Emotional support dog has a very wide spectrum. Um, Mm -hmm. Emotional support will come from a therapist because people have suffered, you know, um, tragedies in many ways, but their dog... Is, is not a trained animal other than to be with them. They need them in their apartment. They need them in the car. They need them at work, but they're not trained to do a task. A service mm-hmm. dog must have a specific task. My specialty is medical alert. What does that mean? It's actually very easy thing to train. Dogs smell the transdermal layer of our skin. That's the outside level. The transdermal layer of our skin will will give us a secret an hour before we feel it in our brain, in our body, or in our bloodstream. So an animal that is trained to understand an imbalance, they they smell an acid, they can smell different things, will nudge. They'll nudge. Mm -hmm. You know, it's time to drink water, nutrition, medication, because those things will balance out our body and then balance out our energy. And so even I have that nudging thing that they do. Yeah. um, Because I have not had that happen with other dogs. Is this something that they naturally do? Or is this something that you train them to do? Well, I'm hypoglycemic unaware. So when I'm working with my dogs, you know, I'm one of these people that um, I'll just, I just donate, you know, and then my, blood sugar will just crash. Um, but you know, you have to stay hydrated and you have to stay. And so I'll just have all of a sudden, everybody's like, I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) water. It's time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So 
you know, it's really kind of natural. And it's, it's very interesting because my dogs not only target with me, but when I'm in the airport, I will have my larger dogs actually go up to people. Now, since COVID, it's, it's very different. You can't see somebody's face, but um, they would just go up and start nudging a stranger. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then I notice that they're clammy, kind of mm. pale. And I, I'm like, are you okay? Um, can I, can I get you some water? And they go, why do you ask? I said, well, you know, I kind of feel like you look when I need food or medicine. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you, um, it's really not hard. You know, it's sort of like just Pavlov's dog. You know, the pooch bell on the door, you hit it and you say, let's go do the business. Let's go outside. And um, you're not making them do it. You're doing it and going outside and they're having an action. You know, I operate by reverse command. So in other words, when they're puppies and they're sitting, you know, I say, sit, good job. If they jump up, you give that repeated task a name. So you're Mm -hmm. just imprinting a natural behavior and giving it a name so they associate it. I'll go in for training and here I am holding my little notebook, right? And people are like, the dog's jumping and down, sit, stay, down, sit, stay. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, would you like to sit down? And I, I said, well, I, I'm not sure if I should down sit or stay. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. We weren't talking to you. We were talking to the dog. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that wasn't very clear either. <laughs> and they go like this. Oh, right. <laughs> down sit, stay. My dog is really smart. I was really trained. Down sit, stay. Down sit, stay. They're not doing any of it. You know, and I'm like, can your dog stay? Oh, no, my dog doesn't stay. And I said, this dog's not trained. (laughs) (laughs) Dog means to down sit, stay. Sit means sit. Stay means stay. Right. So it's a process and it's it's a communication by them understanding what is really going to make you happy. And what a dog wants to do what we want it to do if they know what that is. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, people give mixed messages. So it's learning a fine dance. I always tell people with a new puppy, I said, oh, I love you. They said, why? We don't know anything. I said, exactly. You have no bad habits. It's like never skiing and hiring an instructor. You have right. no bad habits. You're being trained by someone who's giving you form and function. And a dog is form function, language, and care. And just those five things create a circle of success. Mm -hmm. And if we could just get people to translate that to their children, I think that we'd have a lot better behaved children and uh, uh, a lot better behaving world of adults as well. Well, I've had my friends say, Sarah, do you realize that you talk to the children like dogs? And I go, no, I talk to dogs like I talk to children. Children want to do what you want them to do. And they know what that is. You don't say, oh, could you do? No, please pick up your shoes. Stop that now, please. Come to me now, please. You know, you don't ask a question. A child that doesn't have an answer is just saying, 
discipline me. I can't discipline myself. They don't have an answer. Stupidest thing. What do you think you're doing? Of course, they don't know what they're doing or they wouldn't be doing it. You know, so, and the same with the dog. What do you think you're doing? Or people that have a conversation, you know, the cartoon with peanuts and the, right. you know, the dog and you never see the adults. We hear, rah, 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 rah. and that's right. what dogs hear when we chitter chatter. Yes. So, so I, I wanted to go back to some, some a point that the doctor you made earlier about the people you have to find yourself all the time trying to d d kind of justify is your dog, you know, a service dog and uh, is, is it qualified? Is it qualified? Not qualified? All that, you know, so, so I know you, you've kind of defined a little bit about the, the different types between therapy, emotional and service, but how, how can we, I mean, obviously they have, They, they, they're supposed to, I, mean, I think they're supposed to carry like their badgers or some sort of tag that defines that. No, so, you, no? Don't, you don't have okay. to have, the reason I do that is so that there's not ignorant people. It clearly <laughs> defines what the rules are for everybody. Um, but, you know, Canine Good Citizen has 12 things that they need to do. They need to be able to sit. They need to be able to stay. They need to be able to walk through a crowd. They need to be able to meet, meet a stranger. They need to be able to have distraction. They need to be able to settle when they need to settle. And they also need to understand what the difference is when their person is not well. You know, sometimes dogs will actually, you know, we train them for many things. I also work with paraplegics. And so we do task orientation where they actually pull the wheelchair. They learn how to open a refrigerator, not only just open it, but to shut it. You know, we have dogs now retrieving keys, pens, sunglasses, especially remotes. People in a wheelchair, people in bed can't, you know, pick it up. Um, opening a door. And designing homes so that those things can happen. Those are visible, physical, visually physical dis disabilities. But it is a very fine line. And uh, the federal government, especially in California, is very strict. You may only ask two questions. Is that a service dog? The answer is yes or no. What task is your dog trained to perform? Not what's wrong with you. Not anything else. All of my letters are cloaked in invisibility. You know, the Hippocratic Oath states that the doctor is very well aware of your physical challenges and your physical health. What are those things? People think because I have AFib or high blood pressure, it's not, it's not uh, eligible for service. But 99% of all disabilities are not visible. Um, people that get a tightness of breath start to get a massive headache, people that lose their balance, people who, you know, people who become nervous and need to sit down. Dogs will target for that in several different ways. They either grab your hand, they'll nudge you. They'll start to bother you because they've been trained for that, but their personality has not been trained out. A hearing dog and a seeing eye dog Their personality has to be trained out of the dog. Mm -hmm. They have no personality. People with seeing eye dogs have oftentimes been robbed if they're blind and not even know it. And the dog is not trained to notify. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people that have like a seeing eye or hearing dog have a second dog for other things. 
Okay. So it is a fine line. Uh, these good questions. And I wish there were more answers, but um, because the, the scope is so broad, um, mm -hmm. it's just important to know like what, what is the issue? You know, what is, what is the task? Medical alert goes very far and wide. Medical alert actually crosses into what someone might think is emotional support, you know, but when you're shaking and you're starting to go into a post-traumatic stress episode, you're holding that dog tight. So that's pressing into or on. If you have an issue with your leg, leaning into and on. The list is very, very long on what that task should be. I group it into medical alert because I don't right. want to open up the conversation to why. So, Sarah, so one can assume that all these conditions can be pr pretty much determined by your primary doctor or physician, right? And then ultimately, they'll determine that you have a need. And whether to your point, disability is obvious or, 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 you know, not as obvious. Either way, the doctors can determine that. And then based on that, they will give you a referral, I guess, to, to someone such as yourself, Sarah. And then they'll be able to determine which they you'll actually, be able to. Yeah. yeah. No, See, no, a, doc a doctor will make a recommendation that a service, a trained service animal would be a benefit and they leave it at that because they're actually not able to, you know, I mean, it's so sad. They're not able to make referrals. Wow. A doctor who has one of my dogs in his office or her office can say, oh, we love this dog. And that's it. And they can say, well, you know, go to Instagram to Central Coast Poodles. Now with Instagram, you don't need a card. You don't need anything. Every somebody doesn't have Instagram, then you know you've got to go to snail communication, like <laughs> texting or something, <laughs> something archaic like that. <laughs> this still work. <laughs> but 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 it is it is amazing that you said that. So I guess to. Technically, they cannot make a recommendation or referral. I mean, rec a referral, like which is a prescribed referral, but they can just say, okay, well, maybe you should consult and 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 get and see what works for you. I mean, so they give more of a recommendation, just an open, and then it's up to you to kind of to the person to actually really say, okay, I think I, I should, and then ultimately make a decision and then talk to a specialist who will guide them to what type of service dog they would need. To your point, it could be one, it could be the other. And by the way, that was great clarification about the the types because. For the common person, me personally, I would I would just think it's one type, right? And we've covered quite a few types right now. But that leads to the next question. And I know, doctor, you want to jump in. But one other question is that now, how do we prevent fraud? You know, and, and people just kind of like stating, you know, oh, that's my service dog and, and stuff. Because you said we cannot have tags. They cannot be really clear. We need, Most of us would not understand what, what the description you mentioned about what they're supposed to be doing. Therefore, anybody can take advantage of that and do it. And so what can we do to prevent it? And what are the, I guess, the ramification of fraud with, with service dogs? Well, the ramifications are is that, you know, it's no one else's job to determine that. You can ask anybody to leave with an ill-behaved dog or a person. Um, but it's a federal privilege and a federal offense. Generally, if you're going to cross over into the U.S. Department of Transportation and you have, you can be uncovered there. Any place that you're supposed to go and have a certification, which the federal government, when you cross the baggage claim, I mean, when you check your baggage and go through security, mm -hmm. federal government is off. U.S. Department of Transportation, the rules prevail. 
you can be asked to leave a plane for any reason whatsoever, valid or invalid, and you have to disembark or they'll get an air marshal. But you can call for airline resolution manager and they have to be there by federal law and transportation law in 20 minutes, either on the phone or in person. Um, I mean, I've been asked to leave a plane and they couldn't give me a reason why. And so I educate my people to say, I'm happy to get off the plane, but my baggage is above. I need you to please have somebody get it down. And my medication and my suitcases with that is in the hold of the plane. Please remove it. And they have to hold the whole plane up. You know, and I travel with medical grade water. So uh, a machine, I travel with um, Enagic water, which is uh, structured water. And I have to have that everywhere with me. And um, they, they can't even tell me I can't bring extra bags on the plane. You know, I usually travel with my two and another two. And they have to let you on the plane with it because it can't go into the hold. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a piece of equipment that can't be bounced around. It has to be carefully taken care of. But mm-hmm. you, you get in trouble in, uh, in the airport they'll they'll detain you and they'll separate you from your dog Mm -hmm. and there's the fines the fines can exceed five thousand dollars so it's it's i tell people it's a federal privilege and a federal offense now let's just use starbucks as an example starbucks had a violation in seattle which netted a million dollar payout to the person with the dog and now it says (laughs) You don't have to have a vest. I mean, everyone gets away with murder. I mean, animal control here in the Los Gatos area. She just came in as Santa Clara County. And she's like, you don't even know. Pissing on the on the potato chips and grabbing a biscuit and running away with the coffee. You know? <laughs> like, you're just like, you have to have some kind of big heart and feelings for these people that, you know, we commonly call the dog catcher. Yes. I mean, they have to deal with so much stuff. And, you know, you just can't even imagine because we're not even there. I mean, I have a PowerPoint session. My clients will sometimes call me to say that their rights were violated in a restaurant and they were embarrassed. And, you know, I will call and get management on the phone and go over their duties and responsibilities, which are the rights and privileges of people around them, because the first offense you can file a complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice. They typically respond within 10 days after receipt. And the first retail offense can be $75,000. Oh, and boy. it's pretty serious. Well, it does intervene because when I was moving into my new apartment uh, with Rosie, they actually gave me a little bit of trouble about having the dog because they charge a $500 deposit to have a dog, and then they charge you on top of that a monthly uh, fee, which was, I think, 50 or or $100 a month on top of your, your regular rent to have the dog. And I said, well, I'm not supposed to be charged because this is a service dog. And they went through this whole thing about, you know, I had to have an official letter and, and uh, you know, what was wrong with me the whole bit. And I contacted she called, she, like, called, she said, Sarah, 911. <laughs> and it's like, I got on the phone 
And I'm just like, um, I would like to let you know that I went to Stanford for business real estate and contract law. And I work very closely with the U.S. Department of Justice. And I said, and I am actually commissioner of the U.S. Department of Justice in the service dog division. I'd like to go over what you think your rights are and what the rights are of the person with the dog so that we can clarify then I can understand what we may do better or what you may do better. And you know how fast they signed your lease? <laughs> Instant. And it was like, uh, is there anything else I need to do? Crickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Knowing, I mean, that knowledge is, is is power as well. I mean, some some argue, but but it does work, especially knowing to your point the rights, the privileges, and and what's what's for you and what's on you, and 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 really, someone who knows the language, you know, it's it's powerful. I mean, you you the right call, and there's no more discussion. And very by the way, very they, they, minuscule, a little little minuscule. Well, you throw in some heavy, knowledge. some some heavy words in there. The vocabulary was was thick. <laughs> it's small, but it's it's mighty. So it kind of destroyed them. Like okay, I, we I've don't. Actually, I've actually gone into condo associations where they're trying to kick out a dog, and they say, "Well, who are you? Are you you can't represent the tenant." I said, "Oh no, I'm not here representing the tenant. I'm here representing Roxy. Let oh, me show you. Oh. Yeah, let me show you Roxy's." Roxy's task and put her through the grill, handed him a book. I said, see, she's in a book. Of course, I'd made that book that same day. I just found that book today, Cheryl. And I said, <laughs> she's in a book. And I had the book. It was Roxy everywhere. We went to so many nursing homes in one day with the like, doctor, can I take a picture? Oh, kindergarten, can we take a picture? We had like 25 pictures and this apartment association, the condo association goes, oh, we didn't understand. I'm like, well, my goodness, now you do. And so do we. It's all good. <laughs> well, again, this thing is actually very common, uh, you know, with, with dogs in a lot of places. I have a friend of mine who actually has, you know, he, he had such a hard time to actually find a place that he didn't have a service dog. And that's that's the challenge. But, but with regular dog, he couldn't find a place. I mean, right. literally everywhere he went, they, they're not doing, not even charging. They're just not taking. So, right. so, but, but really the element, the difference here is that, you know, if you have the right credentials and the right need, they cannot even argue with you. But to your point, I mean, someone that doesn't know, I mean, some of these folks, they have no clue. They just happen to be property managers, whatever they work right. there. They might not be as clear about the law, whatever it takes. And again, uh, depends on what state. I mean, obviously in California, I mean, it's but a lot of this stuff is federal, so it doesn't matter what jurisdiction you're in. It's, it's all national. It, it goes. It goes. It's the way that it goes. It doesn't really matter what the state is. You have more mm -hmm. challenges in some states, but it's federal over state, state over county, county over local, and mm -hmm. it's still, you know, issues to the federal government, and that's why. I mean, I think I had 1,300 pages of why they changed two rules in April and July. And people go, what? And I'm like, I was one of the few people, like, I love contract law. I love reading lots and lots of words when it relates to something like that and mm -hmm. trying to figure out where, you know, where is the, you know, where's the cryptography in it? What is the real message between all the words and break it down into 10 words? 
And so education, 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 not just for the people who are accepting a dog so that they can communicate to others, education for their dog, education for them with their dog, and then ed- education the world around them. And it's just, it's like, the, it's just one drip at a time, you know, one, one dog, one person at a time. You can't, every dog, every person, every need, every situation is a matrix and it's all very, very different. It's like trying to win Powerball. You know, there's only going to be one winner at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, I mean, the work you do is amazing. The dogs are amazing. If you can give us three takeaway points that you'd like our audience to know about service dogs and the work you do, what would those be? Hmm, that's a very good question. I would say primarily determine what your empathy is for people around you. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Observation. You know, is somebody challenged? Does somebody need your help? And three, education. Who are the people around you, the children, no matter how young, no matter how sick, who are those people and how could they benefit? Because, you know, there's so many different avenues of people that are so passionate about these dogs in helping others in everything from reading, in a prison, in a kindergarten, in a group home, in a, an aged home, you know, in a rehabilitation hospital. There's veterans, you know, I mean, people are so generous. And I find that people with dogs really are godlike, mm-hmm. you know, and they are just so passionate. And it starts with the dog. But what they're bringing is the love, the unconditional love with themselves and their time to the people. So I would just say, you know, it, it's, a, it's threefold. It's like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You, you have to have right. those three things. Right. And I think the last thing that um, I would like to, to ask you, um, that I'm sure that there's somebody in the audience wants to know, what is the best way? to determine that you are getting a good breeder? Because there are lots of scams. I ran into like three of them before I I came to to you. And I mean, I was discerning enough to say, yeah, this doesn't look right. But what should people look for to know if they're getting a legitimate and a qualified breeder that is not a puppy mill and that is breeding good, healthy dogs? Well, one of the first things is the American Kennel Club is really the platinum standard. There are puppy mills on that site as well. But I would say if you don't know and you're not educated, make sure that you look for a breeder that is close to you. Go mm-hmm. and meet them. Now, people couldn't do that during COVID, but we also have FaceTime. We have mm-hmm. Zoom and we have FaceTime and you can see, you know, I I mean, I probably placed 20 puppies with FaceTime, Mm -hmm. you know, where we set it up on a tripod so that people could actually come into my home and could sit with us 
we were so mandated against any kind of contact for almost two years. Mm-hmm. And it was just the most devastating thing. But think about this, March of 2019, beginning of March, if I would have said online puppy masterclass, people would be like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and by June, I'm like, online, how do we train? I said, oh, I have a six week class. I'm like, but we, we can't, you know, I said, no, 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 no. Online masterclass. And RuPaul is the one who just, oh, honey, you just need online masterclass. You know, I love RuPaul. For goodness sakes, wear a suit. (laughs) For goodness sakes, do your homework. You know, find somebody that is close to you. Listen to them carefully and determine what breed is going to be better for you. The American Kennel Club, if you click on any breed, it'll tell you the pros and cons health issues and challenges it is a plethora of information and i would just counsel people to start there and find a breeder that you like talking to and if they're far away ask them who else they know Mm -hmm. perfect well we are going to have on the site all of sarah jane's contact information and if you want to ask her more questions about the dogs, the, the brand, if you want to help support her, because it is expensive to, to raise these dogs and take care of these dogs. So, uh, you know, if you would like to help so support her in, in any way, or if you yourself are in need of, of a dog and uh, you think that you might want one of the poodles or if you just kind of need some direction and how to go about getting a different type of, of dog even. Absolutely. She's an excellent person to, to talk to and all of her contact information will, will be on the site. We encourage you to get in contact with her because she is just an incredible wealth of information. Like I said at the beginning of the show, she's not just a, a trainer. She's gone the extra mile to understand the dogs, to know the the dogs. And and there's a big difference. So, you know, highly recommend her for your educational needs. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time, Rosie. You are just, she needs a fancy collar. She has fancy collar. Say we have bling. She needs a big, huge bowl like this big so she can look like a mini pearl. A bling collar. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, that's a fancy dog. She's blinged out. She's she's very much a girly girl though, and she she likes her bling and she loves her bows. You know how a lot of times you put the bows on on their ears, and by the time oh, they get home, her mother, her mother's just exactly the same. She'll wear them for a week. Yeah, she's a prissy thing. They, we like our bows. And the last place that we had her groom, they don't do bows. They just do the bandanas. And Rosie was like, what's, what's this bandana hey. thing? Uh, I'm expecting some bows here. <laughs> yeah. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I found they have these little baby uh, barrettes for the little babies that don't have much hair. And yeah. uh, they, they work really well for her. <laughs> so she has her baby barrettes too. Well, Dr. Cheryl Brian Bruce. I, the celebrity doctor, I have to say that chatter, chatters that matter, 
what a brilliant idea and hurricane you are just a delight and uh, a joy and a pleasure sarah thank you so much and, and yeah. thank you for the work you do i that's that's yes. beyond it because you help me you touch a lot of lives so keep up what you're doing and then thank you for being with us and, and sharing your wealth here of knowledge thank you so much Absolutely. okay peace and happiness <laughs> Blessings to you. I always say pause on. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was Sarah Jane Work, and uh, she does service dog training. And we have enjoyed having her with us. We hope that she'll come, come back. You have been listening to Chatters That Matter. Let's talk about it. And I am the celebrity doc. And here with Hurricane H, we hope you'll come back and join us next week. And if you've enjoyed our show, please like it, please share it, and by all means, please comment on it. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us.